Acts 14, 1 through 7, and 21 through 28. Now at Iconium, they entered together into the Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So they remained for a long time, speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. When an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat them and to stone them, they learned of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lyconia, and to the surrounding country. And there they continued to preach the gospel. They preached the gospel in Derby and won a large number of disciples, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Then they passed through Pisidia and came to Pamphylia, And when they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Italia and found from there they sailed to Antioch, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work that they had fulfilled. And when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And they remained no little time with the disciples. Amen. Thank you. Good morning. The director uh, received a memo from the MGM studios. After first screen testing, the set of an individual, an actor, that they said, the memo said they can't act. They're slightly bald, uh, and they can dance a little bit. And this was said of Fred Astaire. This gentleman was fired by a newspaper. They said of of this young man that he lacked creativity. He had an incredible lack of ideas for the newspaper. His name was Walt Disney. She worked in the London office of Amnesty International. And she was working on the computer, and they said of her that she was a daydreamer. She was always writing things on her computer that weren't necessarily about Amnesty International and that they couldn't use her anymore at Amnesty. And so J.K. Rawlings went on to write the Harry Potter series. It seems like all three of these individuals live with the motto that Winston Churchill had given, never, 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 Give up. And as we go through Acts 14 this morning, I think what we're going to see is this wonderful example of Paul and Barnabas leading the way with that motto of never, never, never give up, and especially in the area of persisting in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Even though they encountered many trials, many tribulations, people were coming against them. As you read the story in Acts 14, you think, 
maybe you should just hang it up. It's not going well. But they never stop persisting in the gospel. Not just in bringing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not just in sharing that salvation is available for you. In Jesus Christ, you can have life and hope. They shared that and they brought that, but they lived out the gospel of Jesus Christ. Christ was their identity. Christ living through them, empowered by the Holy Spirit, this new relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. They lived it out and they brought it. They kept persisting. And as they kept on, they were filled with the joy of the Lord. They were glorifying the Lord all the time. God's kingdom was expanded all throughout the land. And all glory and praise went to God. Let's pray for that this morning, that we would persist in the gospel as we study Acts 14. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would fill us with your spirit. This whole book of Acts is about a spirit-filled church. And we want to be a people that respond to your calling. We want to be a people that never, never give up. Because we know there's a world that is hurting and dying and lost. And so stir us up, Father, with your love for the world. May we be a people that respond to you in obedience. Teach us this morning. Prompt us. May your Holy Spirit pour out upon us. In your precious name. Amen. I looked up the word persist in the dictionary, and it says to continue firmly or obstinately with a course of action in spite of difficulty or opposition or failure. To continue with that course of action. As followers of Jesus Christ, what's our course of action that we continue in? The greatest commandment is this. We stay on the course of loving God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then the outflow of that in our love relationship with God, it says, like it, love your neighbor. That's our course of action that we persist in. And then Jesus gave us the Great Commission. And let us go and make disciples. Let us have this course Other words, persevere, carry on, keep at it, plot ahead, hold on tight, go the distance, struggle through. Never, never, never give up. As we look at the beginning of Acts, we're going to see that the disciples, Paul and Barnabas especially, they persisted in speaking boldly for the Lord. Acts 1.8, just to remind you what the Lord does as he's beginning his church. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And just a reminder, as a follower of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Same Holy Spirit that came upon Paul and Barnabas and all the early saints. Peter, same Holy Spirit. Be reminded that you will receive the Spirit and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. And Jesus again reminded his disciples out of Matthew 28, go, go make disciples. 
teaching them about me, training them up. Paul and Barnabas are in Iconium, in the area of what's modern-day Turkey. And verse 1 says, They entered together into the Jewish synagogue, and they spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. I love that opening verse. They go into the synagogue. They're sharing the good news of Jesus, who he is. Hey, we've had the law this whole time, the Torah. This is what relationship looked like with God. But now there's new relationship and there's new life in Jesus Christ. He is the Son of God. He is the long-awaited Messiah. And both the Jews and the Greeks responded to the gospel. Here's the truth, and I've told you this before. People are hungry They are hungry for the word of God. They are hungry for truth. They are hopeless and they're looking to have hope. They are dead and they're looking for life. And God is calling us to go and preach the gospel. To bring the truth of salvation. And so they continued to teach, persisted in the gospel. One of the things, whenever we bring the gospel, when we share the good news of Jesus, one of the things that you always need to know is there's always opposition. We have an incredible enemy. He hates it when we share the gospel. He's always trying to trip us up along the way. He doesn't want people to know about the love of God and about salvation. He wants them to die in the pit. He's the great deceiver. He's the great enemy. And we always will face opposition. But we're still called to go. But you need to be prepared. You need to know. So verse 2, the unbelieving Jews, they stirred up the Gentiles. They poisoned their minds. The message version of the scripture says this. I like how Eugene Peterson puts it. The unbelieving Jews worked up a whispering campaign against Paul and Barnabas. They were sowing mistrust and suspicion in the minds of the people on the streets. So all these whispering campaigns were being stirred up about Paul and Barnabas. What do you do in a situation like that? Well, Lord, maybe you just don't want us to be here. Obviously, everybody's coming against us. It's probably time to move on to whatever you have next for us. But I love the response of Paul and Barnabas when it seems like it's a failure when it seems like things aren't going as they planned. Verse 3, So they remained. Actually, because of what was going on, because of what was being said and poisoning of the minds, because of that, look at this. They remained for a long time. I think most of us would take off. Is there a relationship where you need to remain for a long time? that God's asking you to stay, even though you're dealing with a lot of opposition and there's there's just a coming against you and what truth you're bringing. Maybe the Lord's asking you to stay for a long time. And look what they did. Speaking boldly for the Lord who bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. First comes the speaking, the preaching of the word of God. Then to affirm that, to confirm it in the apostles. Then comes these wonderful miracles and and healings that come through the apostles. All that shows is the power of God that confirms his word. 
They spoke it boldly, his truth, about who Jesus was. I'll never forget when I was doing youth ministry many years ago, and there was this guy named David. I love this guy. He was in love with Jesus. He was radical for Jesus. And I would go and I would have lunch at Capitol High and just meet with students and hang out. And I'll never forget this time. One one afternoon, middle of the week, I'm sitting there and I'm at, I'm at another table. David's way over on the other side. But he literally stands up on top of the round table in, in the area where they're having lunch, in the cafeteria. And he stands up and he says, hey, everybody. The room got silent. Hey, everybody. My name's David. And I just wanted to let you know that we are going to start a Bible club here on campus And we're going to meet weekly to take a look at the Bible and what it has to say about life. And we would love for you guys to come. So I just wanted you to know that. It's going to start next Wednesday. Bunch of people like, sit down, you know, throwing stuff at them. Guess what? Over 50 students started to come weekly to look at the Bible and what it has to say about life. To learn about Jesus and who he is. He spoke boldly. He inspired me. I was supposed to be the guy who was inspiring him. Oh, my goodness. He inspired me. Would I be that bold? Would I take that step of faith? Because people are dying and hopeless and lost, and they need to know the love of Jesus and salvation and life through him. Paul and Barnabas knew they had to be bold. They knew people were dying in their sin. And so they kept going. You see, the word of God is living and active. We can never forget that. So preach the gospel. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Romans 1.16 reminds us, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who would believe. Well, as they're preaching the gospel... In the synagogues and in the cities, the people didn't like that at all. And so they stirred up a deal. We're going to stone them and we're going to kill them. And so they left town. You see, they were born again, but they weren't born yesterday, right? They're not just going to, oh, some people want to kill us. Let's hang out. We'll just take it. No, they left town. God was calling them to move elsewhere. And verse 7 says they went over and they went over to Lystra and Derby. And they continued to do what? Preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. The good news of Jesus Christ. The word of God. Telling people about who he is. To a world that again is hungering for truth and life and hope. Forgiveness for their sins because they feel the weight of that. And so they preached it with boldness again into the different cities. And as they went in and as they preached, they persisted in pointing people to the living God. They never lost sight of that. What's all this about? It's about us pointing people to the living God. See, what happened is they showed up in Derby, or they showed up in Lystra, and look at verse 11. What happened is there was this healing of a, excuse me, there was a healing of a, of a crippled man Very similar to Acts chapter 3. And word got out and people saw the healing of this man who had been crippled from a young age. And then the response to that, verse 11, is this. When the crowd saw 
what Paul had done. They lifted up their voices saying, the gods have come down on us in the likeness of men. Barnabas, they called Zeus. He probably had a burly beard, probably was a bigger guy. And Paul, they called Hermes. He was probably a littler guy and he talked a lot. Hermes was the messenger. So they called them Zeus and Hermes. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was at the entrance of the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates. And they wanted to offer sacrifice to them before the crowds. Now, why was all of this going on? All of this was going on because what was happening, 50 years earlier, there was a story put out by the poet Ovid. And the story goes like this, that Zeus and Hermes showed up in disguise into the hill country, into the village. And when they showed up in the hill country, in disguise as as humans, they went from home to home looking for a place of refuge, a place to be taken into. And Ovid tells the story, they went to a thousand homes and they were rejected a thousand times. Finally, they came to one home of an elderly couple who was very poor, and the elderly couple welcomed them into their little shack. And out of their, out of their lack, provided something to, to offer hospitality. Zeus and Hermes blessed them, turned that little shack into a beautiful temple, made, made the, the host a priest and a priestess, And then they caused a flood that wiped out all of the thousand people that rejected them. So do you see what's happening here? All of a sudden there's this incredible healing, which is the power of God. They give it a claim that it belongs to the gods Zeus and Hermes. But we're going to make sure we acknowledge it's Zeus and Hermes because we don't want to get wiped out like what happened last time. And so they start to offer sacrifice. Look at verse 14, the reaction to that. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of it, they tore their garments. That's a sign of blasphemy. No, this is not what it's about. And also to reveal their flesh. We are just man of flesh like you. Stop it. Why are you doing these things? We are of the same nature, but we bring you good news that you should turn from these vain idols, all these worship to the gods, turn from them to a living God. Because that's where this power came from. It came from a living God. And let me tell you about him, it goes on. He who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. In the past generations, he allowed the nations to walk in their ways. But he did not leave himself without witness, for he did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. Even these words, with these words pointing to the living God, it says they they still wanted to offer them sacrifice. What would you have done in that situation? I think my first reaction probably would have been, Oh, more grapes? Yeah, sure, I'll take more grapes. Yeah, fan me. I'm a, you're receiving me as a god. This is kind of nice. This feels good. I love the attention. I love being put up on this pedestal. 
We love it when we're noticed. You know, even in our service unto the Lord, isn't it funny how oftentimes we want to make sure people notice us? When the whole purpose of our service is that God is glorified. You see, they persisted in pointing to the living God. Even though everybody was saying it was about them, said, no, no, no. It's nothing about us. There is a living God who is giving, can give you hope and life and can save you from your sin. We point not to the messenger, but to the Messiah. Isn't it amazing how often, we kind of get caught up in this too, don't we? There is kind of a Christian superstars out there, aren't there? And we look to them, and we kind of add to their superstardom in Christianity. They're all about God, and we're all about them and how awesome they are. We fall into that trap, and we can fall in it to ourselves again as we're serving our Lord. We want to be known, and we want the attention to come to us. Look what a good Christian I am. Here's the other thing I see in this little section in Lystra. They persisted in such a way to bring the gospel in such a way that the people could understand. you got to know, these people were uneducated. They were truly pagan. Like, in the other areas, there were synagogues there. So you could sort of start with, hey, let's talk about the Bible a little bit and how the Bible points to the Messiah. But you see, in Lystra, they couldn't do that. They didn't know the Bible. They didn't know about God. They didn't know about Jesus and the promised prophecies of the Old Testament. So how did they bring the good news? They spoke in such a way that they could understand. Well, let me talk about what you do know. You know about the heavens and the earth, how amazing they are. We sang indescribable. You know how amazing that is. And, the, and there's been rains that have blessed you. You see, that's the love of God. Let's talk at a level you understand so that you can start to know who this living God is. It's not these Greek gods and these idols that you're worshiping. We want to point you to a way that you can understand. I love, I love how some of the ministries uh, on campuses are are coming out, and they're coming up with ways to... Sometimes they just have pictures. They'll have pictures, and they'll sit down with a student, and they'll lay out a bunch of pictures, and they'll say, well, what kind of... And these are people who don't know Jesus at all. Well, what kind of image or what kind of feeling does this picture... What, what are you most drawn to in all these pictures? And when they pick one, then they start to have a conversation about, well, why is it that you're drawn to that? What is it about your life that, that brings you to that picture as the most attractive or the one that's most hurtful. And let me tell you about a guy named Jesus who can heal those wounds. We were in the Ukraine uh, several years ago doing ministry with Young Life in the Ukraine. And Young Life always has the same deal every time when they share the gospel story. And they they talk about our separate, we're broken, our sin separates us from God. And they talk about the love of the Father. He, He would do anything so that we can have a relationship with him. And he loves us so much that he sent his son. This loving father sent his son. But when they were sharing the story with all these students in Ukraine, they didn't use the loving father. They used the example of a, of a bridegroom pursuing a bride. 
in that love relationship and that desire to pursue. We'll do anything to have her as my bride. And so I asked him, why did you do that? Why didn't you use the father story like we do at all the Young Life camps? They said, Rod, you've got to understand something. Most of these kids don't have fathers. If they do have fathers, they're raging alcoholics and brutal and abusive. These kids will never understand or receive if we come with, oh, and the loving father. They will not get it. So we use their desires, which is they all long to be in marriage and that beautiful love relationship. They long for that. And so they tell the story in a way that they can understand, and they bring it right around back to Jesus. And the Jews came from Antioch, verse 19. And after having persuaded the crowds, here's what happened. They stoned Paul. They didn't like what he was teaching. They stoned him, and they dragged him out of the city, supposing he was dead. They put him in a place where he should have been dead. Stoning was meant to be an execution. They literally should have killed him. I can only imagine that as he's being stoned, as the rocks are coming at him, that he's thinking about the time when he was holding the cloaks when Stephen was being killed. He's left for dead, verse 20 says, but the disciples gathered around him. He rose up and he entered into the city. What? Execution? He rose up? That's only a miracle of a God who heals. And then it must have been like the worst horror movie, all bloodied up, and then walking into the gates of the city, hey, here I am. Went back into the city of the people who just stoned him. Why? I came here to tell you about a living God. I came here to tell you about a God who loves you. And even though you tried to murder me, I'm still back because God wants me to remind you, he loves you. You can have life. You can be restored. You can be forgiven. You can have a relationship with this living God who just rose me up when you thought I was dead, and here I am. This is the God we serve. What a story. And then from there, they went on, as they were witnessing to the truth of who their Lord was, they went on to Derby. And what did they do in Derby? Verse 21, they preach the gospel. Are you catching the theme? Dear saints, preach the gospel. Let us share the good news of Jesus Christ in the gospel. Preach his truth. The whole world's telling us their truth. Let us bring our truth, which is Jesus, to the table. Let us tell you the real truth. Preach the gospel. And they kept on preaching. You see, they weren't just doing good deeds. They were preaching the gospel. They weren't doing a bunch of healings. They were, doing, they were preaching the gospel. This is who Jesus Christ is. And then they returned to Lystra and Iconium and to Antioch. You know, I think after you've been stoned and kicked out of all these cities, you would think after all that, you would go, yeah, it's probably time to return home. I'm exhausted, I'm bruised, I'm beaten. But they don't. They don't. They went to all the places where they faced attack. They went to the places where they were kicked out. They went back. How in the world did they do that? 
one of my friends, as we were walking through this passage, they said, there's no way in heck that I would go back to those cities. I just know in myself. I know in myself there's no way in heck I would do that. And I say, you know what? Probably me too. But guess what? We have the same Holy Spirit. And if the Holy Spirit empowers us and says to us, you're to go back, guess what? He will empower us to do so in our brokenness, in our weakness, in our struggle and faith, and we're trying to figure out what God's doing here. No, no, I want you to go back. The Holy Spirit can empower you to do that and to preach the gospel. And they went back in their brokenness, empowered by the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 4, 5. What we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is our Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give us light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. But we have this treasure in jars of clay, that's in us, these broken pots, to show that the surpassing power of God belongs to him and not to us. We are afflicted on every way, but we are not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not driven to despair. We're persecuted, but we're not forsaken. We're struck down, but we are not destroyed. And so they went back. And as they went into these cities, they persisted, they continued to strengthen and encourage others to continue in the faith. To continue in the faith. Because why? Because guess what? It was hard. They're in cities that didn't want them talking about Jesus. They're in cities that where there was a lot of opposition. And I'm sure they were discouraged. And so the Lord called them, I want you to go back and I want you to strengthen the souls of the disciples. Encouraging them, verse 22, continue in the faith. Sometimes we need to be reminded of that. Sometimes we can't figure out, what in the world is God doing in my life? Your faith is weak. You've grown to despair. He came and they continue in the faith, saying, through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. They came in strengthening. That's just helping them to be steadfast, to give them a strong footing, a foundation. Because, guess what, gang? And this is for all of us. There will be much tribulation. We shouldn't be surprised by our suffering, by the tribulation, by these massive curveballs that come our way. It's part of the course of following Jesus in obedience. We suffer like Christ. We struggle. We hurt. We are broken. The enemy is trying to come against us. We shouldn't be surprised by that. That actually helps us to be strong in our faith. Oh, this is a normal part of the journey. This isn't Disneyland. They came and they said to the souls of the people, encouraging them, It's the idea, the wording there is the same as the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, the one who comes by your side. Don't we need to do that? We need to come along each other's side because we know the journey's hard. You heard this morning in these beautiful testimonies of of having children, there's been some hard journey along the way, a lot of tears. So we come along each other's side. They ask for that. Let's come along each other's side, put our arms around each other, 
say, hey, let's keep walking in the faith. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, let's never, never, never give up. And following him, let's draw close to him. And so they kept going in the Lord, comforting them with words of affirmation and encouragement, helping them to keep going on. Blessed be the good, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction. Why does he do that? 2 Corinthians 1. Why does he do that? So that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with a comfort which we ourselves have received by God and been comforted by him. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, Through Christ, we share abundantly in comfort as well. You see, they had appointed elders, and they come alongside, and they said, we want to come, and we want to give the comfort that we've received from the Lord, and we want to give it to you. And so they went and praised the Lord for all that he had done. And they left shepherds, they left elders, to comfort them, to help them on the journey. And then they continued on. And they persisted in giving praise for all that God had done. They passed through Pisidia and Pamphylia, and they went back to Perga. And what did they do in all those places? They kept preaching the word. Did I mention? Preach the word. Tell people through his word about Jesus Christ. Tell the truth, because people want truth. And they're they're getting lambasted with all these things that just are not true in how to have life. Preach it. Keep coming in. And they went from there, and they went back to Antioch. They fulfilled the work that God had called them to. Don't you love that? They responded in obedience. Here's what God has called us to do. And so, Lord, we are in obedience. Even though this is very hard, we are going to respond to you, and we're going to go in obedience. And when they arrived, verse 27, they gathered the church family together and they declared all that God had done with them and how they opened the door of faith to the Gentiles and there remained no little time with the disciples. Here is all that the Lord has done. It's amazing. I'm not sure if my report would have been the same. I would have been, I just, I got stoned. I got, I got beaten, I got abused, people were verbal and strong against us. But their report was with the eyes of the Lord. Here's what God has done. He's opened up the door. I thought the doors had been shut, but here's the reality. He opened up the door to the Gentiles coming into the faith and knowing Jesus. All praise went to him. Next week, on the 14th, the team from Oaxaca, Mexico, is going to share in the house over here after service. And they're going to share all the things that God has done. What's good about that? Why do we do these things? Why do we share? Because it encourages our faith. And we also get to just praise God. Because it's not the team, it's all that God has done through them. All glory to Him. Amen? It's all Him. And so they reported all that the Lord had done. What a beautiful story. I want to close with this idea as I look at all this chapter of persisting in the go. 
as I look at this whole first missionary journey, I'm struck by the fact that, that the apostles persisted in the go of the gospel. The Holy Spirit would prompt them, would stir them up, would set them apart, and they would go. They would respond. Telling the good news of Jesus Christ, telling all that he had done. You see, Paul had been radically transformed by the amazing love and grace of Jesus Christ, had he not? He couldn't shut up about it. And so God called him to go. Go tell your story, Paul. Go tell all that I've done in your life. Tell about how you can have salvation and life because people are literally dying separate from me. People are hopeless and lost and they're looking for life. Go. And they responded to it. We need to persist in the go with our family members, with our neighbors, bringing the truth of Christ's love. Paul knew that if he didn't go, if he didn't go and share the gospel, the good news, if people didn't come to know Jesus, that they would be separate from Jesus forever. Literal death. Away from Jesus for eternity. That became very real for me just on Friday as we were at the graveside for Trisha Kendall. And as we're at the graveside and as Jackson is sharing about her life and about the hope we have in Jesus, I was looking down, I was standing on the grass, but around me were all these grave signs, all these names of all these people who had died. The reality that hit me again was we all end up here. Everybody ends up here. And as I was looking at all the names, there was hundreds, all around us, I thought, Lord, when they went into eternity, did you welcome them in with loving arms? Or did they show up and you said, I didn't know you. You rejected me your whole life. I didn't know you. And now you get to live in your choice of being separate from me, which is what you wanted for eternity. Each person, each soul, And we praised God together in the middle of the pain and loss of Trisha, that Trisha loved Jesus, that her name was written in the book of life, that Jesus was her Lord. And now she was worshiping him forever and eternity, joy full of life, for the Christian life unto life. But we must persist in the go, sharing that Jesus is the resurrection and the life that people may know of his amazing love and his grace. May we be a people who persist in the gospel. Let's pray. Father, we pray this morning that you would stir us up again to be a people who go, to be a people who bring your good news to the world who longs for it. Help us to never, never, never give up, empowered by your Spirit, Give us the strength. Help us not to be ashamed. Father, we love you. We want your name to be known, Lord Jesus. May you do a great work in this church family, I pray. In your precious name, amen.